Hello and welcome to Curious City. My name is Letty and I'm one of the co-founders of Curious Arts. This is a podcast all about encouraging people to get curious about what's going on creatively across the city. Um, I will be talking to a collection of individuals and organisations and companies that are making an impact and it's all about trying to encourage you to get off the sofa and get out into the world. Let's have a listen to who we're talking to today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Curious City. Today I'm delighted to say I am with the writer of contemporary fiction and creative writing teacher slash mentor Susan Elliott Wright who has just published her fourth novel The Flight of Cornelia Blackwood which explores themes around maternal mental health. Susan, hello and welcome. Hi there, Letty. Thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. Okay, so I'm going to come back to the fact that it's your fourth novel, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, but just tell us a b- bit about The Flight of Cornelia about Blackwood. Cornelia. Um, well, it's interesting. The fact that this is my fourth novel, it's, it started as a short story long before I'd written any novels. Okay. Um, and the thing with that short story was that I... I mean, it got quite a good response. It got a couple of placings in competitions, but didn't quite get there. And I think it's because there was... I knew there was more to say about that character and her situation. I tried it some years later as a radio play, but that didn't quite work. And it was when I was planning my fourth novel, uh, I had an idea about a character who coveted another woman's child. And that was just the idea that was in my head. But I didn't know why, couldn't quite get to the, to the root of her, her motivation, I suppose. And then I was sort of agonising over this, trying to plan it for weeks and weeks, and suddenly it just dropped into my head, it's Cornelia from that short story, it's Cornelia Blackwood. She had the same name in the short story. Okay. That's who it is, that's what her backstory is. And once I knew that... I was able to plan this novel, which is something I don't usually do, um, and I wrote the first draft in four months, which is astonishing for me. Yes, <laughs> it usually takes me a year to 18 months for a first draft. You do say like that a, that's your worst that's part mine, yeah, of that's the writing process. Yeah. And y- why did you choose to explore that particular theme? Did it come from... The maternal mental health aspect? Yeah. Um, it's because I struggled myself when I had my children, which was over 30 years ago. Um, and I you, you got married very young, didn't you? Yes, I did. I got married when I was 18. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Um, <laughs> um, well, it would have been okay if he was a nice man, but he wasn't. No. Um, so, yeah, I had my, uh, my first child when I was just, just 22. Um, and, it, you know, and, it, and she was very much uh, wanted and planned for. But it just knocked me for six. I had no... I just didn't expect the level of exhaustion and sleeplessness and the the huge responsibility. And it sounds crazy to say that now because being responsible for another human life is obviously quite a big deal. It's massive. Um, yeah, especially if you're not getting any help, really. Yeah, from that's it. And I was not getting any help from my partner. I mean, a bit of support from... But, you know, I was so young. My mum was working. His mum was working. Sure. Know. Um... So it knocked me for six, and I started to be... <laughs> I started to have some very odd thoughts and feelings, mm. and things... I started to see things that weren't there, and, I mean, it was pretty Terrifying. big time. Yeah. I didn't realise at the time. I was later, so when, I think when she was about eight months old, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Mm. But by that time, I felt a lot better. Um, and it was honestly only when I was researching this book and I was interviewing um, a perinatal psychiatrist that 
I realised what I had, and he said, you have postnatal psychosis. Um, it was a fairly mild form, um, but it was a psychosis. And, I, you know, I was hearing things, I was seeing things. I thought my daughter, you know, she was a baby, she was a little baby, but I was looking at her thinking, she knows more than I do. She knows I'm no good at this. She knows I'm not a competent mother. Gosh. And it was really weird. I mean, it was very, very odd. Did you have anyone you could talk to about it at the time? Um, no, I think I, I sort of knew that it wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. So I kept, it, I kept it to myself. The only one I talked, I talked to my sister, um, just about, on, on a, not on a, oh my God, I'm going through this and I don't know what's happening. And my sister was younger than me, so she was only 19. And she says now, she says, I knew from the way you talked, I knew there was something wasn't right, but I didn't know what to do about no. it. Um, it was just, you know, I talked about I mean, some of the dreams I had, which were really, really bizarre and quite horrific. Mm. And, and she said, yeah, I knew there was something odd. So, yeah, didn't, didn't share it. And had you had a history of mental health no, or anything before that? So no, it completely, completely out of the blue? Completely out of the blue, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, and you say that, you know, one of the best things about being a writer is, is when you write something that has... Um, you know, that strikes a, a real chord. Yes. And this book has done that, hasn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. And I was very, very nervous uh, about the book coming out because there are parts of it that really are not, a, not an easy read. Um, and, you know, the character, I've put my character through far worse than, I, than I've ever been through. Um, so, she, you know, she does suffer quite a bit. And, and there have been a couple of, of sort of negative reviews um, and people have said, oh, this should come with a trigger warning because it, it can be quite upsetting. But overwhelmingly, it's been so positive. And I've had emails from... I had an email from one woman, and that's... Um, you know, people have been talking about the trigger aspect. And a couple of lovely reviewers had said, um, you know, it should ha have, have a trigger, but this is you know, a great read, and it's a really important subject, etc., etc. But one woman emailed me, and she said, um, I didn't feel... And she put in inverted commas, I didn't feel triggered, if that's the word. She said, I felt heard. Because it was the first, it's the first time I've come across this in not only in fiction, but I've not really seen it talked about in non-fiction. No. This is my experience. This was what happened to me. You know, not in the same form as my fictional character, obviously. But she said, yeah, that that was a few years ago, and it haunts me, and I've never talked to it uh, to anybody about it. Do you think it's still? I mean, because mental health in general is is being talked about so much more. Much more. Um, yeah. But do you think this particular area, this you know, postpartum psychosis, is? Mm -hmm is still kept under wraps, I still... I do, I do. I think postnatal or psychosis or postnatal depression, it's postnatal depression is talked about much more than, than it ever was. I mean, it was touched upon, but, I mean, one of the... There is a stigma. There's a stigma to all mental health issues, as we know, that still exists. I think for postnatally, it might be a bit more so. When going back to my experience, and I know that was a long time ago, sort of 30 odd years ago, but at the time it seemed we'd come a long way then. But my ex husband actually used the fact, or thought he was using the fact that I'd had postnatal depression um, in our divorce as a, as a, I mean, I divorced him, but he was sort of defending it, saying basically she's mad, you know, that's why she's trying to divorce me, because she had postnatal depression. Oh and, you gosh. know, because he went to court and the judge said, well, you know, you've admitted that your wife had this and it was, you know, was not quite what he expected. No, it backfired. Um, but, he, but that goes Good. to show what the, the idea that he thought that was, it was an accusation. You've had postnatal depression. You are, there's something wrong with there's you. There's something you wrong with you broken. rather than you are unwell. Yeah. Um, so that, that's then. Um, it is being talked about more. Interestingly, I worked uh, in around 2000, the early 2000s, 
again, that's probably quite a long time ago now, I guess, um, when I was working in journalism, and I worked on baby magazines, and I freelanced for quite a few of those sort of family and baby magazines. And I was constantly pitching ideas about um, for features on, on postnatal depression, and they, they just didn't want to know. And I think the reason is it spoils that lovely serene like it's all roses and fluffy glow, and yeah. we've all had a lot you know we've had a baby and everything's wonderful and now i'm complete and now i'm complete yeah nothing's yeah. wrong the, you know i can oh, and the other thing sleepless nights people talked about sleepless nights with a bit of a, a giggle you know oh i bet you're having a few sleepless nights you've just ho, had a ho, baby ho. Ho, ho, ho. um but the level of exhaustion is is you know it can be especially if you have no help it can be very damaging i think yeah yeah i mean it do you think that there is uh, a theme that runs throughout your novels? Do you tend to write about characters that um, are struggling with something or that have uh, yes. complicated oh, issues yeah. or obstacles to overcome? Oh, yes, yeah, because we, we wouldn't be interested otherwise, would no, we? Just, <laughs> it's all too to, easy. Yeah, I've got to put them through their paces. Um, so, yes, I, I do. I mean, my novels, I think... They have none of my novels run on from each other, but they all have in common. Um, they tend to be about family relationships. Often, it is about a mother-child relationship, and whether that's a mother and baby or an adult, uh, um, an, a mother of an adult child. Um, I'm very interested in in mother in mothering in general, mothering and motherhood. Um, they all feature that in some way, and I think they all touch on maternal mental health actually I think yeah. they do all touch on it even if it's not a, a it, theme an explicit theme so yeah it is with Cornelia but the others it, it's sort of there as maybe a subplot or in the background yeah and your relationship to Sheffield so you've been here for about 12 years um now? 15 if, came here in, in 2005 Gosh, okay. yes yeah and that was a real well sort of bid bid for freedom leaving South London and, yes well and I the didn't realize that husband. at the time because um we sort of came up here and I came up to do the MA at Sheffield Hallam the writing MA um and we thought we'd probably be here for a couple of years uh but I well we both fell in love but me particularly absolutely fell in love with Sheffield and um, when you say we my husband, my new, Mr. Yeah, Wright. M- Mr. Wright, Mr. Mr. Wright, Wright. absolutely, <laughs> Mr. Wright, yes, um, yeah, not not the nasty man I was married to no, before, no. <laughs> so yes, Mr. Wright, um, yeah, uh, and just fell in love with the place, and I felt very quickly that this was home, wow. um, so yeah, I ain't going anywhere else. <laughs> Good. What is it about Sheffield that you love? Um, oh, so many things, um, I mean, as a as a writer, I think it's a great place for uh, creative people to be. There's so much going on creatively. Um, it's a wonderful place to be a writer. There, there's all sorts of little writers groups. There's, of course, there's a writer's hub here. Yeah. Um, there are open mic nights for writers. Um, there are you know, book groups and writing groups. And also the other arts as well, the visual arts, music. It's Theater, a great music city. Yeah. It, it's just there's, there seems to be a a hum of creativity around Sheffield. Yeah. Um, not only that, but of course there's the lovely green spaces and, and parks and we're very near to the Peak District, which is fantastic. Yeah. And it's true what people say, people in Sheffield are very, very friendly. They are friendly. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. So. Well, I, I actually did the same thing. I came up yeah. to do uh, the MA oh, at, right. oh, I didn't at Sheffield that, yeah. from London and uh-huh. thought it was temporary. And then 
accidentally just stayed. Accidentally <laughs> stayed. Yeah. <laughs> How long ago was that? Uh, that was it's going to be three years this year. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But, Anyway, happens to a lot of us, it I does. think. It does, and yes. university <laughs> students. So we've got one of the highest retention yeah. rates, haven't we? Uh, we have, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, um, going back to this, the difficulty, you describe um, the first draft, or writing in general, as, a, as painful, agonising and torturous. Mm. Yeah, that's the one. So, <laughs> why? Why do I do it? <laughs> why, why do you put yourself through that agonising process on a daily basis? Uh, well, there's two reasons. One is... Um, one is, you know, I always say about writing is that the writing is full of highs and lows. Um, the lows can be very, very low, but mm. the highs can be stratospheric. They, they can, highs can be fantastic. But the main reason is I can't not. Mm. And I know it sounds a bit, I don't know, to say this, but it's almost like a vocation or a calling. I can't not do it. And I've heard other writers say the same thing, that sometimes when things aren't going well, you think, oh, that's it, that's it, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm going to get a proper job and, and just carry on and I'm not going to put myself through this agony. And you might do that for a while, you might do it for weeks, months, even, I know people who've done it for years, but... It gets you in the end. It gets you in the end, it'll call you back in the end, yeah. So is it something you've always done? Um, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not one of those writers who says you know I, I wrote my first book when I was five and you no. know made it up out of this and I've always wanted to be a writer well I have always wanted to be a writer but I wiped it out you said early it just, on you did, that couldn't happen to people like me no, no. exactly um, exactly I didn't come from a literary family didn't go to university till I was in my 30s and uh, those you know I just thought well it's that's not for me but I'd always I, I was always a big reader yes um, and I, you know, at school, English was my favourite subject and composition, you know, so yeah, I, I've always written, I guess. And was there one, I mean, you read all the time still now, don't you? You start, start do, every yeah. day with, with a bit of a read. Absolutely, yeah. Um, is there, could you pinpoint a book that was, that had a, an impact on you or made you think, actually, maybe I can do this or, um, yes, I really want to have a go at this? Yeah, I mean, not maybe I can do this. Um, I still don't think that. I still think, oh, wow, I've seemed to have done it sometimes, you know. <laughs> Hopefully um, I won't get found out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but the book, there was a book, a particular book that made me want to be a writer and that was The Awakening by Kate Chopin. I um, don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Um, so that was published at the end of the 19th century and uh, it's an American book, and very it's dense. a very dense read. Yeah. It's not. It's not a beach read. No. <laughs> and the first time I read it, I read it on when I was doing A level, actually, which again I did very late in life. Um, okay. I did that after my first marriage when I left, I left my first marriage. Um, but I read it at A level, and the first time I read it, I thought, oh, I can't get through this. This is so dense. But I started to see the beautiful imagery in it, and the metaphors in it and what was going on with the, the female character. And I got to the end of it and I thought, that is so fantastic. And I started it again and I got more out what, of it the away? second time. Almost straight away. Gosh. Almost straight away. And I've read it several times since. And it's still not an easy read, no. but, oh, wow, it just blows me away every time. And that's what made me want to be a writer, yeah. But your, your writing and, and the other authors that you reference, um, they're quite, I mean, ha it's quite lean, like yes and and unpretentious yes, and very different to Kate yeah, Chopin yeah <laughs> um and and direct and 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 brilliant um but it's great that you can kind of take that inspiration of the essence of writing and, and how a book moves you and then develop your own style I think that's it I think you've hit the nail on the head it's when a book moves you yeah. and and that book moved me so much that I thought I want 
to be able to do this for, for, for other people. people and you and you have achieved it's, that um, I, I hope so yeah. and that's 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 the yeah that's that's the aim <laughs> um now you describe yourself as a passionate creative writing teacher oh, whereas you just described yourself as a, a contemporary writer of fiction <laughs> yes. so i'm just wondering why why what is it about um the the teaching and the mentoring that you're so passionate about uh i suppose it's actually being able to see quite quickly the impact of the impact of my input if that, yeah. if that makes any sense it does um i sometimes say so I, I, so I teach creative writing. Um, the only area I don't stray into is poetry because right. I'm not a poet. No, um, having neither. said that, I, I do have a couple of poetry students on the MA at the moment when I'm doing my best to um, give them useful feedback. Um, but I teach, so I teach short story writing. Now, I've written a few short stories that have, I have one broadcast and a couple have been published, but I am not a very good short story writer. But I'm a much better teacher of it because I understand how the short story works and when I sort of deliver lessons or classes or what workshops, whatever, or I help a student with a short story, I'm helping them to be a better writer than I am of short stories. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so you can see their work. Maybe it's because you're a bit further away from it, so yes. you can see it more objectively as yeah. that genre. See it improving. That, it, that, that's it. Um, and I, I just, you know, when, and when I talk to a student... Um, I do a lot of one-to-one, um, so sometimes it's sort of private mentoring, or I do supervision on the MA. And when I talk, you know, a student might come in and, and say, "I just, you know, I'm completely lost with my novel. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to make this character be like I want them to be." And then we talk about it, and we talk about it, and I see, you know, the light in their eyes sort of going on. There's hope. <laughs> but yeah, because it's just this. It's not that I'm telling them anything. I, I'm not giving them any pearls of wisdom particularly but I'm I'm excited about their novel and then they get excited about it and as we discuss it ideas their ideas come up and I might feed those ideas or I might throw something else in there but I'm sort of helping them to really get to grips with with what they're trying to say they might not realize what they're trying to say and you I can, can help them do that and them. I can see that I'm helping them do that and that's why I'm so passionate about it yeah Brilliant. whereas with my own writing I can't see how well it's going until it's done. And that's why the first draft is so difficult. Because, I mean, have you ever discarded a, a draft halfway oh, yes. through? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of times. Um, yes, I've discarded two at about 40,000 uh, 40, words um, that I, I decided I couldn't make work. Um, and another one quite recently uh, because... My editor, you know, my agent really liked it. Uh, my editor liked it, but she felt it wasn't quite enough. She wanted the, my next book to make a bigger splash, apparently, <laughs> which oh, right. would be nice. So she said, you know, put that one aside and, and come up with something else, which I'm trying to do at the moment. Gosh. <laughs> so you, I mean, you've got a, a very good relationship with your agent. Yes. And having yes. spent... One thing that we do enjoy talking about, I enjoy talking about on the show, is uh, resilience. <laughs> because yes. I think it's something that we all all need. It's and essential. You had six years of, of struggling with the first novel and the yeah. rejection process, mm -hmm. and then obviously a career highlight was was being signed by Kate. Uh, one of the actually, I got the, the I was signed by Kate uh, much earlier. Oh right. Um, it was when I got the first book deal published. Was, uh, yes, yeah. yes. The so I was signed deal. by Kate. I did the MA. Uh, I graduated from the. A, uh, the MA in 2008 
with a very rough draft of my first novel. Um, you know, you, you, you finish the MA, you think, I've finished my novel, but in fact, you, you no. have a draft, <laughs> uh, which, you know, a draft that I really worked and I, on and agonised on over, over three years. Um, but I got, uh, yeah, I, I got some rejections um, from agents. Well, I got, I was very lucky, the first send out to, I sent out to five agents, and I got an agent interested immediately, um, right. but she was about to go on maternity leave. And she Classic. said, if, um, it, she said, I think it does need some work, but she said, if in the unlike, unlikely event that you haven't got an agent by the time I come back, I'd like to represent you. So that just gave me such A great boost, confidence. Yeah. It was brilliant. So then I sent out again, and then I got knockbacks and rejections and rejections. And then, um, yeah, Kate, uh, who is my agent now, there was uh, she and another agent were interested about the same time. And that was in 2009. Okay. So I was really lucky. It was only, it, it was only about eight or nine months actually um, to get an agent which is is quite quite quick and what's that relationship like um, on a day-to-day -day, sort of week-to-week -week basis yeah. I mean, we we don't we don't talk unless something's going on so mm -hmm. it, there can be long periods of quietness if I'm just While getting on writing, with the book yeah. Yeah. yeah but if you have an idea for a book you know will you go to her and say I've had this idea what do you think yeah or what, um, how far along does she get involved yeah I, I yeah we, we talk about ideas um, we talk at the early stage I don't usually, I haven't in the past sort of sent her much stuff in advance. Sometimes we have just talked. We've talked the plot through and we've talked about the characters. Um, then if I'm unsure, I'll send, I did at one point, I was unsure about a novel, so I, I sent her a chunk um, and we had a big, a big discussion about that and I did later decide to put that one aside. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and this time, so I sent her a chunk, this time fairly recently, uh, a few months ago, and she really liked it, and, and we got a submission together. Um, but the editor said, yeah, I like it, but it's not going to make the bang. Um, so, yeah, we, she's, we're very involved in the editorial process, and that's what I like about her. She's, yeah, because yeah. some agents can be really quite hands-off, can't they? Yeah, yeah, she's, she's very hands-on, but not, not in my face hands-on, if you see yeah. what I mean. <laughs> yeah, not intrusive. Not intrusive. But now, the, one of the things that you enjoy, and yeah, differs from writer to writer, but... Hate the first draft. Yeah. Really like the editing process. I love the editing process. Why? And I don't understand don't why understand. people don't like oh, it. Oh, right. <laughs> but um, well, have you got any any hot tips for how to edit your first draft? Like, what would you do? Okay, so I'm in the fortunate position of having my agent and editor to... I mean, obviously, I do a bit of editing on my own first, of course. Um, but, okay, so your first draft, I would say... For a start, don't try to edit too quickly. Okay. Put it away for a bit, as long as you can bear, really. I mean, a lot of, most people can't bear to leave it for more than a couple of hours, never mind a couple of days or yeah. weeks. If you can bear to put it away for a couple of weeks and just go and do something lovely for a bit and read some books and just allow chill yourself out, you not the draft. to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Then you can go back to it, and you'll go back to it with a more objective eye, I think, um, than if you go back to it too quickly. Mm -hmm. I would also, I think it's great to get other writing friends, and I stipulate other writing friends to have a look. Don't get your mates to read it. If they say, oh, I love reading, I'll read your book. Right. Because they will be expecting something that they took off the shelf at Waterstones, right. and they're not going to get it. And so the feedback they give you may, may not damaging. be very helpful. It may be damaging. Mm. Conversely, uh, don't give it to your mum or you know someone who loves you because they're going to say this oh, is it's lovely, darling. It's wonderful, darling. Yeah, you're so clever. I don't know um, if my mum would actually, <laughs> but she, she writes. Don't as know well, my so mum would either. Yeah. But, yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, absolutely. So give it to another writer, somebody who understands and can, instead of saying, I like this or I don't, can say, I can't quite visualise this bit. Maybe you could X, Y or Z. You right. know, and that's really useful. So uh, I do that with, with a couple of other writers. We, we feedback stuff as we're going along uh, and also at, you know, at first draft stage to, to get, get some feedback, which will help with editing. Mm-hmm. Now, before you had this, you know, before you became a professional writer, you've done everything from being a civil servant, barmaid, pot washer, journalist, cake decorator and chef. Mm, yeah. And so you <laughs> think? Yeah. Do you think that's had an impact on your writing? Um, Working in all those different environments and with the different people. I, I mean, obviously, I've used some of those experiences, especially um, yeah, chefing and being in a, in a, in a kitchen. Um, but I sort of don't think it's enough. I sort of would rather have had a few more jobs, really, <laughs> um, because I think you use, you know, you use, you research stuff, of course, but. Our, our first area of research is our own experience and, and you mind that. And, and when I see people writing about, you know, that having, I don't know, worked in theatre or, 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 or even, you know, even things that aren't that exciting, but their insight, in, if somebody who's worked in a factory is going to have great insight oh, yeah. into that process and can, can get a great character out of that. Um, so in a way, I sort of wished I'd done a bit more, but, you know, I had a lot of... What job would you, would you have got in the arsenal oh, so that you could write about it oh 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 gosh i don't know oh, that's put me on the spot that one don't know sorry <laughs> don't know no. if something impossible comes question um yeah i wasn't thinking of a specific thing but just I, I guess when i'm reading other people's novels and there's little bit of detail about think, oh, that yeah. other world i think oh that's interesting it makes it real really, doesn't it it does make it real yeah. i mean i have written about worlds i have no experience of i mean i've written about nurses and or a nurse you know put it in a hospital and had to do a bit of research do you enjoy that um yeah i I quite i quite like if i if i know what i'm researching i enjoy but often we don't really know what we need to research so it that can be it can be a great way of procrastinating as well yes i have to do my research (laughs) i.e not write (laughs) spend all day on the internet (laughs) and you do you miss working in a professional kitchen do you still cook yes. a lot? Oh God, I miss I miss the professional kitchen terribly. So much so that whenever if my husband and I are out for a meal or I'm out for a meal with friends and in a restaurant you see the kitchen door swing open. You go, <gasps> you know, and you see you see all the chefs and the steam and, and there's a there's a pan going across the, the kitchen and somebody's shouting. I think, oh so I exciting. Be in there. Yeah. Yeah, I really miss it. Really miss it. And I actually can't do it now. I used to um, when I was first in Sheffield, I went back into chefing and I did a it's incredibly hard work though isn't it oh, it's, it's long really hours and it's really long hours physical it's, it's, it is physical and that's why i can't do it now yeah. um partly i just get too tired i can't i can't stand up for 16 hours <laughs> anymore unless it's christmas dinner um, unless it's christmas dinner but it's like doing that i worked for an outside catering company um for, for quite a while here in sheffield and i loved that as well we did weddings and it would often be two 14 hour days on the trot wow. you know fright well There'd be a, a sort of eight-hour day on Thursday, then Friday the last prep, then Saturday doing the wedding. And it was great. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. But then Sunday would be wiped out. I'd be aching from head to foot yeah. and really shattered. And also, I have RSI in both okay. hands and arms, um, which I struggle with with typing. I was going to say, But that yeah. makes chefing impossible now. Of course. So, yeah, I can't do that anymore. I mean, you couldn't really get too, too more extreme, um, you know, the, the solace of writing mm. and that kind of... But then the camaraderie of the kitchen. Yeah. I think that's why I miss it so yeah. much. Because it works very well together. Because I was really sort of um, you know, supplementing then... my income as, as a writer. 
by working in the kitchen. So yeah. it really worked Good well combination. For me. And if you work in kitchens that, you know, not so much here, but when I worked in kitchens in London, you often find you're working with musicians and actors and it, you know, that sort of work fits very nicely with creative work. Yeah. A lot yeah. of creative people in catering. Um, before we finish, uh, I would like to ask you if you've got any, are there any shout outs you want to do to any other creatives or organisations within the city um, that are either doing interesting, fun things at the moment or who have had a, a positive impact on on your work? Well, obviously, Curious Arts, where we are now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I, yeah, this is a, I think this is a great innovation. Really pleased to see this in Sheffield. So this, yeah, this. Um, but you. also, Sheffield Libraries, I think, are doing some They are doing some brilliant things, things. the really Year of Reading. Things. It's the Year of Reading, yeah. So there are, if you haven't heard this yet, get the the brochure from the library because there are loads of fantastic events yeah i had no idea how much was going on so much until going I on. it's really yeah it, it, it's really good this year i mean it was so this year this is the year of reading but there's always events going on at the library yeah. you know year round every year but this year is an absolute treasure trove um one of which i'm doing myself yes um, coming up coming up on monday uh, that's monday 9th of march i'm doing um Right, um, the, the title of my talk is Writing Motherhood, which will be at Highfield Library in London Road. I think it's 6.30 to 7.30. It's free, um, but ideally it's good to register for a ticket. You can yeah. register either by going to uh, Sheffield Library's events page or go, oh, it's uh, through Eventbrite. Eventbrite. You can register. Um, details are on my website. Um, I'm doing another one. Hang on, on what, which is? Sorry, my website is www. What do we say that anymore? Is I, there any I point? do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Three W's. Three W's. Susan Elliott Wright. Am I .com or right? No, I, I think you're co.uk. I think I'm .co.uk. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, we'll just experiment. If you're listening, just have a have a go and tell us. Have a go. <laughs> Type the name in. It will yeah. come up. Google It'll it. Come up. Um, um, and then I'm doing another one on the 17th of March, which is um, writing fic fictional characters in the environment, the effect of, about the effect of the environment on characters. So that's ooh, about place and setting. And that's at Hillsborough Library. Okay, great. Um, similar thing. But yeah, do have a look at, at what, what's going on with Sheffield Libraries because there's just loads of wonderful stuff. And the vast majority of it is free. Yeah. Um, I will be doing a class, a workshop with, a uh, masterclass, sorry, with Russ Thomas, the crime Lovely writer. Lovely, Russ. Um, when he's back from swanning when around in LA. When he's back from swanning around on his, his hotshot US tour, yeah. um, Russ and I will be doing a masterclass on writing fictional characters. And again, it's a Sheffield Library event. Uh, there is a charge for this one, but it's only £25. An absolute you bargain. get two best-selling writers. Um, it's going to be great. And that's on the 14th of March, on a Saturday. It's an all-day uh, masterclass right. at Sheffield Central Library. I may very well be going to that. That would be great. Susan Elliott Wright, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you again for having me on. It's been great. A Curious Arts production. <laughs>